Welcome everyone. We're delighted that you're here today. We've come here to worship the Lord and this is the first Sunday of the month and so we, uh, we don't have a junior church program today but we all stay together in the one service. So that can be scary, particularly if you've got small children, but please, whatever you do, do not be bothered by that. This is a service where it's okay for there to be some noise. Uh, we are delighted to have everyone here. And Janet is going to come and read for us from Genesis 14. So this is Genesis 14 and reading from verse 11 to verse 16. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and his possessions, and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and of Anne. These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them, and pursued them to Hobar, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions, and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his possessions, and the women and the people. Thank you. This is an amazing story, really. Abraham hears the news of how the battle has gone, and he hears that his nephew, Lot, has been taken prisoner. And Abraham does something really amazing. He pulls together his trained men. Now, they weren't soldiers. They weren't trained soldiers, but they were people who were physically fit, 318 of them. And he leads them on a daring rescue mission. With these 318 men, Abraham does something that the might of five kings couldn't do. He defeated those armies. He recovered all the goods, brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and other people. Boy, Uncle Abraham must have been popular with nephew Lot. Abraham was a hero. I mean, he rescued all these people. But most precious to him was Lot. What do you think gave Abraham such confidence to rescue this, to, to launch this kind of rescue mission? I mean, who of us would think of doing something like that? What gave him such confidence, do you think? Well, it was those things that we've spoken about already. The promises of God. He was confident in the promises God had given him. God had promised to be with him. God had promised to give him an inheritance. And so he does these things that to us seem reckless. They seem dangerous. But the promises of God, well, they sometimes do that to people. Make them do strange things. Think about Jesus. He said, uh, no one takes my life from me. He says, I have power to lay it down and power to take it up again. It makes us ask the question, why would Jesus lay down his life to die on a cross? 
What would lead him to do such a thing? Well, the answer is the same in some ways, the promise of God. Jesus puts himself into the battle to rescue people like us, taken captive, helpless to rescue ourselves. We're all sinners. We've, we've been taken captive by our sins. But Jesus comes to rescue us. And Jesus' rescue mission requires him to die in our place. And the promise was that God would never let his Savior, never let his Savior see decay. That is, he would never stay dead. The promise was there. And of course, on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating death forever for all who trust in him. Jesus dying on the cross is a strange thing to us. It's a horrible thing in many ways. And yet it was the only way that Jesus Christ could save us. And God keeps his promises to us. I mean, why would someone believe in Jesus and follow him? Why would someone do that? I mean, most people uh, in your workplace, most people in your class at school, they do not follow Jesus. So why would anyone do that? Why would they want to be different from everyone else? I mean, it means you don't fit in if you follow Jesus. And sometimes it can cause us to feel like we're missing out if we don't fit in. Well, the reason is someone would choose to stand out like this because of the promises of God that God has promised that all who trust in Jesus and follow him become part of his family. They have their sins forgiven. They can know God. They can really live life in the way that it was designed to be. They can have eternal life with God in heaven. The promises of God make us do these things that seem strange. But when we're trusting in God's promises, we're actually doing the most sensible thing we can do, trusting him, believing that his words are true. There's another part to our story this morning, and Peter is going to come and read that for us. Now, you need to listen carefully because there is a name that comes up in these verses. It is a very important name, and I'm going to ask you about it when he's finished reading. This is a continuation of Genesis 14. I'm reading verses 18 to 20. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Ab Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Thank you. The opening words there were, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Uh, I think if you were to check the list of births in Scotland for the last hundred years, there's probably never been a Melchizedek. The name means king of 
righteousness. And he appears in the blink of an eye in Genesis 14. And he's here and then he's gone. But actually, he's a very important figure. We're told that Melchizedek, after Abram had rescued Lot, he'd done this amazing, uh, amazing battle. Melchizedek comes to meet Abram and blesses him. He gives him this bread and wine to feed Abraham, but also to feed his men as well. He gives them this to, to encourage them, to, to give them what they need, to satisfy them. And he gives him this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And we're told that Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything he had. And that might not mean much to us, but it was a way of Abraham saying, I recognize that you are my superior, that you deserve recognition. It's Abraham saying that this is someone who deserved respect and recognition from him. And so he gives a tenth of everything he has. And the reason is because Melchizedek, we're told, had two jobs. He was the king of Salem and he was the priest of God Most High. Priests were there to solve a huge problem to solve the problem of the gap between God and us. We are sinful, but God is pure. And so we can't reach him. He is too pure for us. We're so far away from him. And so the priest, his job was to stand in that gap between God and sinners. A bit like the bridge on the screen behind me. It reaches over the gap between the two sides and brings them together. And when it came to the law in the Old Testament, they provided priests. It was a hugely important part of religion in the Old Testament was priests. And the priests would represent the people before God. They would bring the sacrifice that the people needed to make for their sins and present it before God. And they would also represent God to the people. They would take God's word and they would teach the people about what God says. But the problem was, these priests were never quite enough. Because the priest would come and make a sacrifice on someone's behalf for their sins, but the priest himself had sins. And in fact, even if you got a good priest... It wasn't going to last forever because, well, eventually he would die and he'd be replaced by someone else. They were humans, mere humans, helping other sinners with their sin, all the while having their own sin to deal with. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we're told that the priesthood has changed. You don't need those those mere men who are priests. We don't need temples. We don't need animal sacrifices anymore because there's a new priest in town. His name is Jesus Christ. And we're told he is a priest like Melchizedek. Hmm. What's so special about him? 
Well, the thing that's pointed out is that every time an important person, almost every time an important person appears in the Old Testament, they tell us about who their family is. So, if you wanted to understand who someone was, we'd say, well, they came from this tribe, and their dad was called this. With Melchizedek, that doesn't happen. He just appears. We're not told about his parents. We're not told about, about uh, where he came from. And the New Testament tells us that that's deliberate, that Melchizedek is a picture of Jesus who would come, the one who has no beginning and who has no end. And same for Melchizedek here. We don't read about where he came from and we don't read about where he goes. We don't read about him being born or him dying. And so with Jesus, he is the eternal God who has always existed. And therefore, this Jesus, when he becomes our priest, when he represents us before God, he will do that forever. Because he's never going to die. He's God. And so, after Jesus rose from the dead, he goes to heaven, he sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he represents everyone who trusts in him. And he makes their case. He says, I have died for them. We, if we belong to Jesus right now, are in heaven with him. And when God looks on us, he sees his son. And this is the great encouragement. Jesus is a priest forever. This priest didn't just bring another sacrifice for us. He himself was the sacrifice for our sins. And because he represents us before God forever, it means that for everyone who comes to him, trusting in him, it means he'll never give up on you. Have you ever thought about that before? He will never give up on you because he, he can't. His priesthood never comes to an end. He never says, well, I've, I've represented you this long. It's time for me to retire. Someone else will take up your case. No, Jesus is always representing his people in heaven. So that even the things we've done in this service, like praying, we come through Jesus and we always have access to the Father. Because Jesus is our Savior, our sacrifice, and he is this priest forever like Melchizedek. In the New Testament, the writer to the Hebrews says, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And that's the promise that he makes to you today. If you come to him in faith, he will save you completely, completely today and completely forever. Well, just before we go, please do, uh, there's tea and coffee served after this service, so please do stay and enjoy that with us. Please do remember the offering on the way out for OM supporting the work in Ukraine. And uh, let's say the words of the grace together. We say these, uh, this as a prayer to each other so that we might be encouraged in the week ahead. So let's say these words together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.